Hey everyone, this is Caitlin. And this is Jessica. And this is Calling All Spirits. How are you doing today, Jess? I am good. It's been a good week so far, trying to kind of get in the Halloween spirit, which I'm excited, but after like spending two weeks decorating this giant house, which I'm not complaining about, that's awesome. Now at my own house, I'm like, do I really have to put out decorations? (laughs) Like I look like (laughs) such a Halloween Grinch at my own home, like... I have like pumpkins out front. It's like, that's it. That's good enough. <laughs> like, you would think I, I know I feel bad. You would think I hate this holiday. And I'm like, no, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, take comfort in the fact that the inside of your house is decorated year round. So you don't really have that much you have to do anyway. <laughs> this is true. I know. I was just telling my husband, I'm like, you've still got to hang up my sign, which is like a Ouija board that says, welcome all spirits, which. I did get from a Halloween store, (laughs) but yeah, you're right. That is my everyday decor. And like, oh, I was in um, shout out. Target has not sponsored, by the way. I wish if we could get Target to sponsor us, that'd be amazing. Seriously, we are open to it, but we're not yet. (laughs) But Target has a super cute, super comfy, soft Ouija board sweatshirt that I bought, and Chris is like, that's going to be like your all-year-round sweatshirt. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, we don't just save that for Halloween. No, no, that's right up there with the rug that a friend of mine got me that says Witch's Poison on it. I put it in front of the front door, and Joey's like, so that's just here forever now, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm so glad you're already aware of that. <laughs> See, so I guess in a sense, I am festive. I just feel like... I'm really slacking this year. My poor little boy. I have like one Halloween item out, but I mean, he gets to go around a 7,000 square foot real haunted house that is also decorated for Halloween. So like, don't feel too bad for him. Like he's getting a full Halloween experience. I mean, he also watches Ghostbusters all year round. It's not like this year, (laughs) this time of year really changes much in his life. No, it really doesn't. It's just, I feel like we're not, we were talking about this, how we kind of feel like we're not the weirdos during Halloween. Like, oh, everybody's into this right now. Ghosts are cool. This is all fine. Yeah, it feels like this is the time of year we're supposed to really represent our demographic. But because we do it all year round, I feel like the enthusiasm is a little lacking by this point. Like, (laughs) I put out my purple lights. I put out my tattered fabric. I put out my sign that says, don't wake the dead. They're grumpy. I'm I'm good for now. I'm also on a budget because I'm about to go on vacation. So I can't go to at home and splurge on Halloween decorations. Right. (laughs) No. Like if I could if I could drop the money on the what is it 30 foot Home Depot skeleton? Yes. It would be a whole other ball game, but <laughs> I'm not allowed to do that because I want to be able to buy seafood while I'm in Maryland next week. And well, so I'm 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 having to grinch myself in uh, anticipation or scrooge myself in anticipation of <laughs> needing my money for other things. I understand. It's like, um, I've literally been decorating for Halloween since September 17th. So I'm kind of like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm kind of, I'm still going to love the mo- I love all the movies. I love it. But I'm like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> I've kind of done, been doing it for a while now. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think so. But I mean, it's still fun. I'll try to put some skeletons up or something. We do have a doll that's this pretty, you've seen her. Oh my gosh. Matilda. Did you know Oh, her? Yeah. So she's this beautiful little Victorian skeleton lady with a hat and a dress. So we need to get Matilda out. I used to pull down my little stuffed voodoo doll 
until my son decided he just wanted to sleep with it year-round. So it's just, like, always with us now. Okay. Oh, I know. Well, it, it's, it, it sounds really creepy. It's not a real voodoo doll. It's totally, like, a cute stuffed version that... When my parents were in New Orleans, they stayed at the super cool boutique hotel and they had them on, on every bed. So you could like buy one. So of course they bought me one. Yeah, it, it's not near as creepy as it sounds. Um, think of like the Disney version. If Disney did a little stuffed voodoo doll, that's kind of what it would look like. <laughs> like Given my limited you- understanding of hoodoo and voodoo, that sounds way more disconcerting than it probably is. Ooh, maybe. Seems like a weird thing to capitalize on, but I mean, people will capitalize on anything. So fair enough. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I didn't even think about that. I'm just like, she's super cute. <laughs> like, I will take her. <laughs> I guess most of ours, yeah, it makes me feel better. Most of our stuff is just already out and about. Just out year round. It's like my funeral decor from the <laughs> funeral museum. It's It's just there. It's fine. Yeah, there you go. But I mean, at the same time, maybe our topic today will get you back in the spirit because, I mean... When you get into the history and the development of Halloween, maybe that'll get you back in the vibe. At least to decorate. I'm still in the vibe, just not to decorate. But yes, well, yeah, this, may be, this may inspire me to pull out a few more decorations. I agree. I, and it's such a fun topic because we always think of Halloween, but how many people actually know the real, true, historical origins of Halloween? I mean... I mean, especially I, I considering how many cultures it's actually tying together at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to cover the history up through the 19th and 20th centuries. But, like, by this point in time, in 2022, it's tying in all kinds of fall festivals to really bring through what Halloween means today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, what was it, Hocus Pocus? It wasn't invented by the candy companies. <laughs> it was co-opted by the candy companies, but it was not invented by the candy companies. There you go. We're going to prove Max wrong tonight. Well, I think I think the witches did, too. Yeah, I think Max proved himself wrong a few times that night. I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, I, I'm excited. I'm, I think I'll probably even learn some new stuff this evening. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you'll have some new things to tell me, too, about some of the specific traditions, because there's always more details that nobody knows. (laughs) Exactly. So to get started, as a baseline, Halloween in the U.S. is basically a month of scary movies, fall-themed treats, costume parties, alcohol, and anything to do with witches, zombies, werewolves, and all things ghoulish and ghastly. (laughs) I love it. Right? I pulled that from an article and I'm like, I love that sentence. It makes me so happy. Yes. Basically everything we love. Yes. All the stuff that we refuse to stop talking about and what made us start a podcast. Mm -hmm. So for the majority of its history, the holiday draws on ancient Celtic and Christian practices. And there are a lot of people who know that our current traditions have uh, very strong ties to Samhain, a pagan religious festival that came out of Celtic spiritual customs. And as per most Irish and Scottish in all forms of Gaelic language, it is not spelled in a functional English speaking way. It is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it is pronounced Samhain. And if you know Irish and you want to correct my pronunciation, I welcome you doing so because I like being that particular. <laughs> Me too. I'll just put a PSA out there. Me too. <laughs> Yes, if you, if you can fix my pronunciation, I will happily take the lessons. <laughs> now, the trio of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day all together were a time designated on the Christian calendar to honor the saints and the recently passed or dead. 
Often this included prayers for the souls and that were believed to still be in purgatory. Now, Samhain did technically come first, and it was first documented by the Roman Empire in the 7th or 8th century BCE. And the Celts were a collection of tribes with origins in Central Europe that shared a similar language, set of religious beliefs, traditions, and cultures. It's believed that the Celtic culture started to evolve as early as 1200 BCE, and the Celts were largely spread throughout Western Europe, including Britain, Ireland, France, and Spain. Their legacy is most prominent today in Ireland and Great Britain, where traces of their language and culture are still prominent. The ancient Celts marked Samhain as one of their four quarterly fire festivals, and it took place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. The other fire festivals are Beltane, May Day, and Lamas. So uh, Candlemas, or February 1st, May Day, May 1st, and August 1st. During this time of year, the hearth fires in the family homes were often left to burn out while the harvest was gathered because they believed that they needed to gather all of their harvest by Samhain so that they would not be damaged by evil or mischievous spirits who would return on the first evening of the dark half of the year, which was basically before the first frosts came, which probably had more to do with why they had to get the harvests in. Yeah. Uh, Once all of the work was finished, everyone would come together and light community bonfires. They'd have contests, practice forms of divination, and hold meetings. Some references suggest animal and human sacrifices, and that other darker rituals took place at the behests of druid priests, but those are kind of tough to verify and sound a whole lot like the vilification of pagan tribes, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) The big thing is that at the end of the night, the participants would take a little bit of flame home from the community fires to go home and relight their family fires. Mm. Samhain was basically a marker in the split of the year from the light part of the year, which was basically summer, and the dark part of the year, which was winter. The Celtic year began at sundown and at the end of the autumn harvest continued through the darkness of winter and through early spring. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also the moment when the spiritual world could become visible to humans and the gods enjoyed playing tricks on mortals and when the spirits of the dead would mingled with the living. Mm-hmm. To appease their ancestors and fallen brethren... Families would lay out what were called dumb suppers in tribute. And they were called dumb suppers because the idea was that while the food was served, you didn't speak. So literally just mute. A mute supper is another word for it. And to ward off evil spirits, people would often dress in different costumes and masks to kind of blend (laughs) in. (laughs) And it was, I loved this part, seeing that being able to kind of blend into the the, the general spirits Uh was particularly helpful if you were mean to someone who had recently died. Oh! Oh! You know what that makes me think of? Okay, sorry, I have to interject. No, 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 go for it. Okay, Ghostbusters reference. And I, oh my goodness, I'm so ashamed of myself that I can't remember if this is one or two off the top of my head. But they're talking about like it's the end of times and spirits are coming back. My Ghostbusters fans will remember. So Bill Murray's like, so be good for goodness sakes. Whoa, because it's like somebody's coming. <laughs> like they're coming for you. And that's like the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's Ghostbusters 1. I think I'm standing by it. (laughs) Somebody's probably screaming at at our podcast right now. (laughs) Somebody's definitely going to be coming through with, how dare you get that fact wrong? So sorry when it's like, if you were mean to people, that's all I could think about. So you better be good. You better be nice. You better be nice because, I mean, they're coming back for you. Yes. That's also solid logic. Be a good person or the dead are going to come take you away. I mean, it works better than Santa Claus in my brain. 
and the fact that I like, you know, blacksmithing and if Santa brings me coal, I'm actually happy is probably part of that logic. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> I just got to find my place again. <laughs> The importance of the customs to people's lives apparently weren't lost on the early Catholic Church. Pope Gregory I, also known as St. Gregory the Great, headed the church from CE 590 to 604. And he advised a missionary going to England that rather than trying to do away with the religious customs of non-Christian people, they should simply convert the holidays to make them easier to convert the people. A lot like the practice of converting the site of a pagan temple or a sacred site to a place of Christian worship kind of worked in the same way. This is an important place. Let's all come together and treat it sacredly and then just kind of shift it into exclusively church activity. Mm -hmm. And so in taking a holiday that involved active spirits that were coming back from the dead, the church added their own spirits, specifically the saints of the early medieval church. Uh, which were spirits of devout believers who were involved in the mortal world, generally with miracles, as tied to religious doctrine. So basically, the church mixed the traditions involving the Celtic spirits and the Catholic saints, and in the 800s, the church designated November 1st as All Saints Day. However, the old beliefs tied to Samhain never really died out. No, no pun intended. <laughs> And instead, the first night of Samhain, October 31st, became All Hallows Day evening or All Hallows Eve, eventually morphing into all uh, into Halloween. And this was the night before the saints were venerated. And it also became the time when the supernatural symbolism and rituals of Samhain could be turned into more spooky fun with the really strong religious practices the next day. Mm-hmm. By the Middle Ages, the celebrations of the fire festivals were a little bit more personal. The Samhain fires were nearer to the farms and became a tradition lit in order to protect families from fairies and witches. And the medieval poor people, including children, would approach homes on All Hallowtide and ask for something to eat in return for song and prayer. At the same time, people prepared small baked cakes marked with crosses to set out with wine as offerings for the dead. And when hungry folk came knocking, they would usually receive some of these treats known as soul cakes. And those who begged for them became known as solers, like S-O-U-L-E-R-S. By the 18th century, the holiday was commonly being called Halloween. Like we've we've accepted that we're going to blend <laughs> this word together. It's not All Hallows or All Hallow Saints Day Eve. It's it's just Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a time where ghosts, spirits, and witches were likely to be out and about. Now, keep in mind when we're using witches in this context, it's more like when we're talking about it in Salem, where mm-hmm. witches, you know, are making deals with devils and wreaking havoc on the countryside. This is not any kind of modern connotation with witches. Right. And so one of the customs at this time was called lading or leading. L-E-E-T-I-N-G basically means to drive out witches by burning candles or torches to ward off their evil spirits. Sometimes they'd even carry the lights around the outside and through the hills and the area in the hour before midnight. And if the candle continued to burn during this witching hour, then the person carrying the light would have immunity from witches for the coming year. Oh, I mean, I'd li- if, I could, if I could walk around my neighborhood with a candle and be immune from evil people for the next year... I mean, I'm kind of here for that. I am too. No, I agree. I was feeling bad. I'm like, because I always feel bad for the ones that were labeled witches. That's why I was like, yeah. Oh, like this. But no, I mean, just negative people in my life. Heck yeah. Like, here's my candle. Stay away from me. Right. I will walk out with months. a whole torch all of the mummy returns. <laughs> like, give me a whole torch. I will walk around my entire neighborhood. 
I'll walk it nine <laughs> times if we need a sacred number. I am good for that. And if it's still burning when I get home, I'm immune to all the negative people in my life. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. We need I to start that back up. Where's that right? tradition? <laughs> Honestly, we should do that in our neighborhoods just to burn the mosquitoes away. <laughs> Citronella. We just burned citronella. <laughs> there we go. We walk around our neighborhood with citronella candles on Halloween to keep the kids from getting eaten alive while they're trick-or-treating. I, I am all for <laughs> I mean, mosquitoes are about as evil as they get, so I think this absolutely works. I, I am a hundred percent behind this, and then we'll then we'll just get weird looks from our neighbors like what in the heck are they? <laughs> we are we'll protecting get... your children. Exactly. Mosquitoes. Stare them down. This is citronella. Be grateful. <laughs> Exactly. So new Halloween tradition, everybody. This Walk around doing. your neighborhood with citronella candles. We've got a plan. This works. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So at this time, Halloween was still continuing to be an important time for divination and omens because we still have that idea of mm-hmm. the the boundary being thin between the worlds. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what how long ago it was, and it was definitely on Facebook, but it was somebody being snarky and they're like, of course. Of course, the veil is thin. If it was thick, it'd be the down comforter between the worlds. It's a veil. It's supposed to be thin. And that just lives in my head every time someone talks about the veil being thin at Halloween. I'm like, of course it's thin, Deborah. It's not a down comforter between the worlds. I mean, (laughs) I also just have to interject and we're not going to name names, but I remember a certain place, historical place. That decided they wanted to maybe do a seance on Halloween night. And you were like, could you pick any other night? People are busy on Halloween. Right. Like everyone's being summoned on Halloween. Elvis is busy. He is not going to come through. He's got like 14 calls. You're going to be on a hold until two in the morning. Like, come on. If you want to hold a seance and get someone famous, do not do it on Halloween. I love it. Oh my god, I just picture him like in the spirit world and all these like phones are ringing and they're like... <laughs> like I absolutely see the same thing. Like there's an operator trying to connect Queen Victoria to the 37th person <laughs> that day. Oh god, and Queen Elizabeth is going to be bothered like nobody's business this year. Oh my god. I just love the idea of a seance and you hear that like music that they put you on when they put you on hold like that's just playing <laughs> in the seance. It's like, we'll be right with you in a moment. <laughs> it's just like keeps playing. Your call is important to us. Your seance will be the next seance. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So maybe hold your seances on another night. Yes, and in the meantime, someone needs to write a movie as the operator on the other side trying to handle Halloween overload while people are calling the dead nonstop. Like, I'm thinking Beetlejuice style screenplay. Someone please get on this. Please do. Maybe, oh, maybe we should. Maybe don't. That will be our movie. (laughs) I mean, fair point, fair point. That could be a lot of fun to write. Yes, for, forget we forget we suggested that. <laughs> that is our movie. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, that is ours. We're gonna we're gonna work on that. Um, we'll work on that after Halloween. There you go. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back on point. People were still considering this an important night for divination because they hadn't gotten the memo yet that the operators were busy, and they would. Be, uh, one of the omens was really fun. They actually. Uh, the same way the groundhog can predict whether or not winter is going to be longer or short oh. come February, 
This one was you could predict a, mar- a harsh or mild winter by the prevailing winds that were going on Halloween. Mm. Like the different ways it was blowing. You could also learn of the impending deaths of your neighbors from reading the shadowy shapes in your local churchyard. Ooh. Which sounds super morbid and terrifying. Yeah, personally. I agree. Let's not bring that back. Yeah, no, no. More familiar, to both of us at least, are the fortune telling that has to do with marriage. Mm, um, yes. Like my favorite, my favorite way to completely disappoint any teenager that would always come into our house for the tours in the historic home they'd see the ouija board they'd freak out and i'd share that the number one most question asked for any divination was who am i gonna marry (laughs) yes i'm gonna talk about that yes yes i absolutely love those so it's still a huge thing at this point in time (laughs) where it's death and marriage because i guess death and taxes weren't popular yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah taxes were definitely there they just weren't popular to talk about And then this brings us to the 19th century, because that's when Halloween has more of its recognizable form here in the U.S. especially. Um, In fact, North American almanacs of the late 18th and early 19th centuries don't even really mention it. Like, they'll talk about Bonfire Night or Guy Fawkes Mm -hmm. Night. They'll talk about other fall festivals. And at the very most, they'll say October 31st is the end of the month. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what a... What a killjoy. That's so sad. Like, <laughs> right? They, they just don't really talk about it. Oh. So the after we get the 19th century rolling a little bit better, it's it's actually kind of rolling. And you actually start being able to see things like advertisements in different newspapers. Uh, Halloween masks were beginning able to be bought in local places like in Ontario as early as 1874. But it's a little bit later that they actually get popular. And within 15 years of that, it's quite casually remarked that there was a run on masks. Oh. Like they were running out. They were selling out. We also see grocers and wholesale merchants carrying a wide variety of nuts that were advertised for the holiday, like pecans, almonds, walnuts, chestnuts, filberts, and Brazil nuts. And by the end of the 19th century, we were seeing inclusions of figs, raisins, Florida oranges, Malaga grapes... And a seasoned apple, which I'm pretty sure is, I can't remember what it's called in Victorian Christmas traditions where you uh-huh. put the cloves in. Oh, a pomander. Is it pom? I always yeah. mispronounce it. Is it pomander? I think it's pomander. Yeah, that sounds right. Sometimes I want to say pomander. I don't know why, but I think it's pomander. Pretty confident it's not pomander. <laughs> that's, that's my Texas version. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's just also kidding. how you mispronounce things like pecans, too. <gasps> I say pecan. You do say pecans. That's why I it's don't not- pick on you too much. <laughs> we don't say pecan in Texas. No, not unless we're talking about the outhouse. There you go. And then we also start seeing some advertisements as early as 1897, actually, that say special for Halloween at Carson's chocolates are 10 cents mm. and 15 cents a pound. Creams are 10 cents a pound. Gumdrops are 10 cents and 15 cents a pound. And all taffies are 15 cents per pound. Mm. So we even start seeing candies and treats and things that are a little bit more familiar with what we associate with Halloween today. And I mean, we do have some movements in different parts of the pagan community with reconstruction uh, kind of goals, trying to bring back the older traditions of Samhain mm-hmm. as we understand them. Right. I mean, just keep in mind that kind of like with history, we're missing a big chunk of the picture. This is a combination of history and archaeology, and we're missing a lot of the picture. Right. So it's definitely 
like if no matter what anyone says they can they call it the true form the pure form or the original form without giving you any caveats about the fact that we don't know everything ignore them because they're making things up okay very good (laughs) well interesting yeah okay well so you set the scene beautifully because what i wanted to talk about were some of these halloween traditions that we know and love but where do they come from like where does trick-or-treating come from where do jack-o'-lanterns come from so we're gonna dive into that next because it's really fascinating so we will start with the jack-o'-lantern and it has ties to Thalwin and also i mean it kind of goes all the way back so the tradition of carving jack-o'-lantern states to ireland and a folktale about a man named stingy jack so the story goes there once was a man named stingy jack who invited the devil out for drinks During the evening, Jack challenged the devil to turn himself into a coin. After the devil obliged, Jack stole the coin with the devil trapped inside and placed it in his pocket next to a silver cross, preventing the devil from turning back into his true form. Now, Jack only agreed to free the devil after he promised not to claim Jack's soul when he died. So... Jack continued to play tricks on the devil throughout his life. I kind of started feeling bad for the devil after a while. Like, poor Jack is just, like, like messing with him. Jack's being uh, a jerk. Shoot. Exactly. I know. <laughs> You're making the devil look good here. Like, it's like he's right? making... So he keeps playing tricks on him. Now, when Jack finally died, the devil kept his word, and he didn't take his soul. However... God wouldn't allow Jack into heaven either. So God's like, I can't imagine why God's like, nah, you're not getting in here. Nope. (laughs) Exactly. Therefore, Jack was left to roam the earth aimlessly for eternity with a lantern carved from a turnip and inside a lump of coal from the devil to light his way. He became known as the Jack of Lantern and eventually Jack-o'-lantern. Now, people in Ireland carved frightening faces into turnips. And if you've never seen these carved turnips, they are creepy. They are way worse and way scarier than pumpkins. Oh, yeah. We will definitely be including pictures of that for sure. Yes, they're terrifying. So they would carve these frightening faces into turnips and they'd place a single light inside, usually burning coal, to frighten away Jack's wandering soul and any other evil spirits that may come come near um when people from ireland immigrated to america they brought this tradition with them but with one slight change rather than turnips they began carving pumpkins since they were native to the area and very plentiful so not to mention easier to carve well exactly (laughs) exactly now i thought this was interesting because i was looking up the term jack-o'-lantern And Merriam-Webster kind of has a different story. So I just wanted to include it. Now, Merriam-Webster said, while jack-o'-lantern has been used to describe a hollowed-out pumpkin since the 19th century, they say the term originated in the 17th century in Britain, where it was used to refer to a man with a lantern or a night watchman. So apparently during the 1600s, the British often called men whose names they didn't know by a common name like Jack. Thus, an unknown man carrying a lantern was sometimes called Jack with the lantern or Jack of Lantern. So there you go. There's another history for that term. Interesting. I've never heard that one. I've heard versions of the uh, Jack and the Devil story, but yeah, Jack of the Lantern being just the night watchman, I had not come across. 
I know. I thought that was really interesting because I'm like you. I heard I saw so many versions of the Jack and the Devil. Even in the Halloween book I was reading, it was all about Jack and the Devil. But that's yep. that's what Marion Webster. <laughs> Wait, do we have the same book? Hold your book up. Oh my goodness, Halloween. Oh, I don't think we we have a different Halloween history book. That's Ooh. exciting. Cool. Uh, we may have to link these. Okay, we, we'll have to share our Halloween books with, with all of you. Absolutely. So next is Halloween costumes. Now, Caitlin introduced us to this. The tradition of dressing in costume has its roots in European and Celtic traditions. Costumes, of course, trace their origins back to the ancient Celtic holiday of Samhain. And like you said, on the night when they believed that the spirits would return, they would disguise themselves in costume. Now, when it goes into All Saints Day, it changes a little bit. So during All Saints Day, villagers were encouraged to masquerade in costume, not to frighten away unwelcome spirits, but to honor Christian saints, which you brought up. Now, I thought this was really interesting. Churches throughout Europe and the British Isles displayed relics of their patron saints in their churches. However, churches that could not afford genuine relics had their parishioners dress up as saints, angels, and devils. So they kind of became the relics instead. That, I mean... (laughs) I mean, that's a clever way of fixing the problem. Not going to lie. I I agree. I I really kind of can't hate on it. That's that's kind of brilliant. This religious masquerade gave an acceptable Christian basis to the established custom of dressing and disguise on Halloween. So that's where costumes come from. Now, I love this. The colors. Why is it black and orange? And I honestly had never really thought about this. So it comes from Samhain. So the color black comes from the this festival of Samhain and represents death and the end of summer, while orange is symbolic of the autumn harvest season, the changing leaves, and the fires that light up the night sky. So it all goes back to that. That's why they picked black and orange. Interesting. To represent it. Yeah. It's funny. That seems so. That seems like a common thing to wonder why they picked it, but. Yeah. I wondered it a lot when I was growing up, and I just always assumed that orange was because it was fall. Yeah. And black was because they were dramatic. <laughs> I mean, not going to lie. That's actually, that's probably a pretty good explanation, too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, the older I get, the more dramatic I am, the more black there is in my wardrobe. So I don't think I'm wrong. Oh, girl, I was having to look up uh, dresses for a holiday party I'm going to with my husband. And for every single what color, it's like black, black, black. Like, that's all I have is black dresses. I get it. Oh, yeah, no, the wedding I'm going to, I needed to buy a new dress for it. And I had to have a friend be like, all right, sweetie, you can't buy a black dress for the wedding. Please pick a color. Like, fine. Girl, I've worn black dresses. My bridesmaids' dresses were black. My colors were black and white. I'm going to say, those are your themes. This is supposed to be a fall wedding with a very low-key, laid-back kind of situation. So (laughs) I found found a nice purple. I compromised. It's only half morning. There you go. Oh, there you go. I love it. I love it. Now, our next tradition is bobbing for apples. So traditionally, apples and nuts were often seen as powerful divination tools. The first known reference to bobbing for apples comes from a 14th century manuscript. And I'm not going to even pretend to pronounce it because I would butcher it horribly. But it was from the 14th century. (laughs) You can look it up. The tradition of bobbing for apples actually revolved around love and romance. Like we were talking about, it wasn't even something spooky at all. 
The game traces its origins to a courting ritual that was part of a Roman festival honoring Pomona, the goddess of agricultural and abundance. And it was around November 1st. Later in history, the Pomona festival was blended with the Samhain festival. So here we go. We're going back. Now, for bobbing for apples, traditionally females would bob their heads in the water while attempting to bite into an apple named for their male suitor. So if she got it on the first bite, then they would have true love. If it took her a second try, they would find true love, but it would sadly fade away eventually. If it took this poor girl three times, the courtship wouldn't last at all. <laughs> like, you were just, no no love for you, sadly. Now, other times the game was played as a race. So they would do a different version where the first person to bite into an apple would be the first to marry. Because, of course, as we know, and this is a lot during, like, the Victorian times, that was your only goal as a woman was to be married. Like, what else did you have to strive for back then? <laughs> as I'm saying that sarcastically, by the way. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I still think that um, I missed the, the days of being able to joke about me being firmly on the shelf by, like, 24 and 25 because <laughs> I, di I did eventually get married. But it was after I was 30, so I think it counts. Oh, I was almost 30. I mean, I would have been like an old maid back then. Like, they would have already given up hope on me. At that oh, point. yeah, no, exactly. And I started making, I think I started making jokes about being too old to get married by the time I turned 17. Because, like, you know, oh, you'd be your second and third season. My mom stopped finding those jokes funny by the time I was 25. <laughs> I think I was 28, almost 29. So, yeah. Yeah, like... I, I didn't meet Joey until I was 20, uh, 28. We started dating when I was 29. And married a year later because that's who I am as a person <laughs> but yeah no like I think I think the fact that I sucked at bobbing for apples may have played a part in this though is what I was gonna say because oh. I was terrible at this game I would lose every race I could never get it on the first try and so I got married late in life I think this holds true it may because I'm just sitting here thinking I don't think I ever won this game either <laughs> So if you're right? good at bobbing it for apples, let us know if you got married earlier in life. <laughs> I would love to know that. We need to test this theory. Now, they would even take it a step further. So once you got your apple, I'm assuming if you got it on like the first try or you were the quickest, you would take that apple, place it under your pillow in the hopes that you would dream about your true love that night. I would eat the apple. <laughs> Caitlin, you're not helping. <laughs> I'm not. I'm bad at Victorian games. <laughs> they would have just given up hope. <laughs> they'd see you over there just eating the whole apple and they'd be like, no. You're doing it wrong. Girl, we wouldn't have survived. I also have heard about you would peel the apple and you try to get it in one long pill. And I've heard you drop it. You throw it over your shoulder. You just let it fall. But anyway, the peel was supposed to fall into the initial of your true love, too. So that was another way they would do it. Here's hoping his name didn't start with Z. Oh, yeah. That would be a tough one. Or, or Q. If it started with Q, you have no hope. Like or T. T would be T hard to yeah. get in a, in a coil because it would be all round. Yeah. All the round letters would work. It's the, the yes. stick letters wouldn't really work no. great for that a d that's not happening 
You're like, right. Kind I, of, maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. But you're e right. Wouldn't, and, e and F wouldn't happen at all. No. W. No Frederick. No Edward. No Xavier. You couldn't have an X. Like, forget that no, one. No Williams, because W isn't going to work. It makes you wonder, did people think about this back then? I feel like they set this little rule, and it's like, I don't think anybody thought I that. think they did this while drinking the Applejack that they got from the apples. <laughs> they were not sober enough to think this through. Or they were just tipsy enough that they could squint and be like, that's definitely a Z. I see a Z there. Yeah, we're going to call it. <laughs> like- <laughs> Walter's cute. I'm seeing a W. You can't tell me I'm wrong. Exactly. I love this. Now, in parts of the British Isles on October 31st, it was known as Snap Apple Night. The name came from an older game played by tying... Okay, this is crazy. I I need to preface this. They would tie a player's hands behind their back. Oh, okay. First of all, they just attempt to bite an apple suspended from a string. That's not the crazy part. Okay, we do that today. They do it with donuts. This is a little different. In a more daring version... So they'd have a pole, kind of think of like an upside down T or kind of like thing. On one end is a lit candle. On the other end is an apple. And the pole would be spinning and the player had to attempt to bite the apple and not get hit with the flaming candle that's swirling <laughs> around. Ironically, I'm better at this version. I mean... <laughs> We did this at my last job, but for the safety of visitors, we played it with a sack of flour instead of a candle, okay. so you just get thwacked on the back of the head. But while I am catastrophic at bobbing for apples, I am not half bad at this one. So you would have excelled. <laughs> you would have been the first to marry if this game was on. I can do snap apple night, but I can't do bobbing for apples. Go figure. <laughs> that is a little interesting. I, that's very interesting. So let us know if you are good at snap apple night, if you actually have played this. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I think it's more fun than bobbing for apples, especially since you don't get your face completely soaked with water. And, like, you can you can get the momentum going to where you can get your teeth into the apple, I think, a lot easier oh. than you can with bobbing for apples. I think it's definitely easier. Oh, very interesting. I like it. Now, next is trick-or-treat. And as, like you mentioned, during Samhain, people would leave food offerings for the spirits. Now, during the All Saints Festival, the church... Still trying to absorb the pagan celebrations, encourage people, like you said, to remember the dead with prayers instead of food offerings. So the soul cakes, the little pastries and bread were encouraged. And I just think this is so interesting that the the those that were poor would just go around to the wealthy people's homes asking for food and in return will send prayers to your loved ones in the spirit world. Now, over the over time, the custom grew more popular, and young men and boys would go from house to house singing souling songs. But instead of just receiving cakes, they would ask for ale, food, or money. Now, in Scotland and Ireland, young people took part in a tradition called guising, dressing up in costume and going do- door to door singing songs, reciting poems. Oh, I did my Texas version. You did. <laughs> I have been caught on the podcast. <laughs> so in Northeast Texas, in my little town, we call it poems. So I'm going to see. They were reciting poems. Is that how other people say it? Poem. Yeah. <laughs> poem. See, I'm like, oh. poem. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what they were reciting. They were um, reciting lyrical, <laughs> rhyming words in spoken form. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they told jokes and they even performed tricks before collecting a treat that usually consisted of fruit, nuts, and even coins. And I also want to mention the custom of mumming that dates back to the Middle Ages where people would dress as ghosts, demons, and other malevolent creatures who would perform tricks in exchange for food and drink. Now, in one of the books I had, they actually had a recipe. Now, it's from 1956, but it's for all souls bread. Ooh. So, yeah. So, it the ingredients are flour, milk, yeast, egg, sugar, orange, and lemon rinds, butter, and salt. And the dough was braided and topped with poppy seeds. So, that's nice. their version of the recipe. I know. It sounds... Oh, I was thinking the orange and lemon rinds. Yeah. It sounds It sounds delicious. kind of like a uh, an orangey or citrusy uh, brioche bread. Yes. Ooh, we may need to make it. It sounds really good. I think we should. I think we should make our spirit guide make it because she's better yes. at bread than I am. <laughs> I fully support that. A hundred percent. Now, our next tradition or things we associate with Halloween is black cats. Now, black cats have been a source of superstition for centuries in Europe and have long been associated with witchcraft. In medieval Europe, many believed that witches had the power to take the form of black cats. Other, others believe that the devil himself gave black cats to witches to act as their companions or familiars. And with that attitude, we get the Black Plague. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. These beliefs were carried to the new colonies with the Puritans. So during the witch hysteria, which we have talked about, black cats were feared and vilified. They believed them to not only be evil, but even witches in disguise. And sadly, even after the hysteria calmed, black cats retained the reputation for being very unlucky. Now, over the years, due to their spooky history, they became the perfect, no pun intended, <laughs> symbol for Halloween. However, it's worth noting that not all cultures have historically viewed black cats as scary or unlucky. In ancient Egypt, Japan, and parts of Britain, black cats were traditionally thought to bring good luck and prosperity. And sailors used to believe that having a black cat on their ship would bring them good luck. Now, I have to throw in my PSA because I love black cats. And sadly, superstitions of black cat, about black cats still remain to this day. Um, black cats are half as likely as other cats to be adopted. And the color of their fur can often lead to mistreatment and sadly even death. Um, but thankfully, there are several organizations around the country that rescue and find loving homes for black cats. There is also a National Black Cat Day on October 27th and National Black Cat Appreciation Day on October 17th. And as someone that had a very sweet little black cat who I love so much, if you can, if you're looking to adopt a cat, please consider a black cat because it's hard to find homes for them. And they are sweet, sweet little babies. So there's my PSA. <laughs> It's a very good PSA. Night. It's an important yeah. one. It, it really is. It, it, it's, it's very sad that it, this still continues into 2022 that we're having to deal with this. But cats aren't the only uh, animals associated with Halloween. No surprise, bats, because they're <laughs> nocturnal. And while most feed on insects, rodents, and nectar, there are three species that do feed on blood. Um, so they're believed to be vampires and they're also associated with witches. But um, so cats aren't the only animals. I even have seen owls, rats, 
they're also associated too. Now, this brings us to our last little Halloween tradition. And I'm actually calling this a controversial candy only because I feel like people either love it or they hate it. And that is candy corn. So, Caitlin, (laughs) where do you stand before we even get started? I am contrary. I don't mind candy corn, um, but I do prefer the pumpkin shaped ones with the green on top and the orange on the bottom. I like that flavor better than regular candy corn. But I don't dislike it or really like it. I don't seek it out and I don't find it bad. So I'm already making a liar out of you because I neither love it nor hate it. (laughs) See, well, you know what? I I have to kind of go with you. Like, okay, I can eat one and not gag, but I, but could I like, do I just seek out candy corn? No. Like it, it, okay, I guess I don't like it there. I'm setting this. I don't like candy (laughs) corn. I'm putting it out there. I tried. So that's just what I've noticed with people. You either like it or you don't. But the origin of this candy first appeared on shelves in the 1880s. During this time, candy companies were molding confections into various agricultural products, including pumpkins and turnips, because a lot of the country was still very agricultural based. So it it makes sense. Not going to lie, I would love to have a candy corn that was shaped like a turnip. I would too. I read that and I'm like, I need to see that. But I, I so I if anybody finds a picture, please send it to us. Yeah. I think it's kind of cute. Now, many historians attribute the invention of candy corn to George Renninger, an employee at Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia. They were the first company to sell the sugar and corn syrup treats. However, they didn't become a widespread phenomenon until the Golitz Candy Company, now known as the Jelly Belly Candy Company. I know. They started making the candy and marketing it as chicken feed in 1898. I love that. Chicken feed. It was sold in boxes with the slogan, something worth growing for. It was it was simply a penny candy that was sold year round. So it was not associated with Halloween whatsoever. I, I was reading a source and they're like, just imagine people are eating this at Easter. Like during the holidays, like, which seems so odd to us now, but nobody thought of it as a Halloween treat then. Hmm. It wasn't until trick-or-treating rose to prominence in the U.S. in the 1950s that it really got associated with Halloween. And this is kind of brilliant. So, of course, candy companies advertise during Halloween, but they kind of advertised all year round. They decided candy corn would be the Halloween candy. So they heavily advertised it in October. And that's how it slowly became like the symbol of Halloween for candy corn. Um, And it said today that more than 35 million pounds of the candy are sold every year. So people love it. And no hate if you love it. I just think it's kind of disgusting. But I think my mom (laughs) loves candy corn. I think she's one of the... I think she's one of the people that like loves it. That's fair. I mean, I can I can see where the appeal is. Oh yeah, um, no. I'm not judging anybody. I just notice you're either in one camp on the or the other typically. Yeah, for the most part. I don't consider it worth the sugar cuz I have to be careful about how much right. sugar I eat otherwise I get dizzy. So like right. it's not worth it for me, but I don't dislike it. Although with all of the stuff about comparing it to corn and having it something to crow for, I can absolutely see somebody decorating with demonic chickens in their front yard and a big old bag of uh, a big old bowl of candy corn in the middle for their Halloween <laughs> decoration. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love it. We should do a poll like on Instagram. Do you like candy corn? I'm oh, curious. We should. Like, yeah. Yeah. We need to ask the listeners their take on it. 
we just got some delicious like chocolate bark with like pretzels and stuff and there are candy corns on top and it was so good but i was like picking the little candy corns off like (laughs) i can't do it i i love how i came into this conversation with like they're okay and now i'm like no they're disgusting (laughs) like i'm not oh my goodness um but yeah we'll do a poll who how many people like it i'd be curious i'm pretty sure our spirit guide still likes it i know she liked it growing up yeah no i there are several people that do i so but those are a few of the Halloween traditions and how they tie back to Samhain and All Souls Day and where they come from. They're not just like modern. They just popped up in the last couple of years. They've been around for a very, very, very long time. Yes. And as we already pointed out, Max was wrong and it was not invented <laughs> by the hot candy companies. No, except for candy corn. We'll give him that. Candy yes. corn came from candy the corn is because of jelly beans and mm-hmm. <laughs> the and Halloween. But well, even oh, because even candy corn was being eaten at Easter. You said so. Well, yeah, I mean it was just eaten year round, so like they didn't tie it to a specific holiday. So you may be munching on it from your Easter basket. I mean, yeah, hey, if it makes you happy. But exactly. Yeah. Well, this was really fun. It I I love this topic. Me too. It was it was. A little more inspiring to do some more Halloween-related activities. Like, tomorrow I may or may not watch The Addams Family. I don't know. Ooh, we, oh, we just watched it, both of them. I love those movies. Same. I thought it was, I usually watch it on DVD, but um, I was not motivated to get up from the couch the other day. And so I was watching <laughs> it on HBO Max because a friend of ours is nice enough to give us her login information. Mm. And it's really funny because basically it'll just loop you from one to the next. Like the movie oh, finishes awesome. the first Adams Family and then it'll automatically begin the second. And at the end of the second, it automatically begins the first one again. I love it. Oh, my goodness. And what what is it? Is it Netflix that's coming out with the new Wednesday TV series or the new series? I don't remember who's doing it. I can't either, but it I want to see Netflix. it. I don't know. But yeah, same. I want to see it too. Yeah, we just watched it the other night. I mean, again, we've seen it so many times. And my husband's like, you are so Wednesday Adams." I'm like, I really... Like, people that know me know that, but from the outside, I'm very, like, bubbly and happy and very pink. Yeah, we're too chipper to be wednesday E, but no, no, it's... I... I... Spend so much of my life associating myself with the monsters, and like yeah. I was really comfortable with the idea that I was more monstery and you were more Adam's family. <laughs> but we watched the new Rob Zombie movie with the prequel of their lives, uh-huh. and I realized that <laughs> I have two friends that are very much Lily and Hermit, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh shoot! Compared to them, I am way more Morticia, and Joey <laughs> is way more Gomez. Well, so much for my stance on monsters versus Adams. Turns out I'm more of an Adams than I realized. Oh, I totally am. Like, people don't know when they meet me, but as soon as you get to know me, like, on the inside, I am Wednesday Adams. And, okay, remember that scene in Wednesday, uh, Adams Family Values, where they're, they're at the camp? And they start singing Kumbaya, and she's, like, clinging to the fence. My husband is like, that is you. That is- I've literally done that in response to that song at summer camp. Yes! So, yes, I can attest to yes! that. Yes, or when anybody's like, oh, I shout out to my one of my longest, dearest, best friends, if you're listening. But we were at a camp, and it was like, we're going to share our feelings and kind of have. And she said the most beautiful things to me about how I'm such a good friend to her. And I was having that Wednesday Adam moment, and I just was like, ditto, yeah. Same. And she never let me live it down. Like, she poured her heart out to me. I'm like, uh-huh, thanks. 
Okay, good. Oh, no. I, I can't handle this. To I'm, be fair, that's also performative emotion. And if you're not prepped for it, it's hard to know what to say. Oh, I know. So you know who you are. Thank you for being such a loving friend. And I'm sorry, I just said like ditto back <laughs> during that moment. But yeah, Chris is like, you are so her. I'm like, I really am. I mean... <laughs> I can't really blame you. And in in a world where everybody has such differing personalities, making sure that you're one that is not always mimicked um, is not a bad move. I know. Well, you too, because we both, because you come off as so friendly, which you are. I'm not saying you're not, but you. What you <laughs> I come across as friendly, even though I'm not. I love you too, Jess. I love no, you too. That's what I'm trying to say. But we come off as very bubbly and friendly. And we are. That is part of our personalities. But like deep down, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I always think of myself as like Elle Woods on the outside and like Wednesday Adams on the inside. Like, No, for sure. It's one of those where we're very, very outgoing and very mm-hmm. upbeat. And like you said, very Elle Woods. But given the slightest provocation, we will talk about death practices of the Victorians for 14 hours straight. <laughs> And we will talk about safety coffins and embalming practices and trends in the funeral industry with very little prompting. So huh. it's our our fixation is very Wednesday y and we have yeah. very low tolerance for some social norms that don't make any sense to us. And then we'll like... just flip around and then be chipper because like law school, why not? Yeah. Ex- <laughs> I mean exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, this was fun. I so enjoyed tonight. Me too. I liked it a lot. It's a good, it's a fun topic. And we hope that you all enjoy it because it's another holiday special themed episode. And so we appreciate you listening. And if you don't like us doing these episodes, tell us because you all need to tell us what you want to listen to. Um, And if you did like it, then obviously let us know as well so that we keep doing things like this periodically for holidays. Yes. And regardless of how you feel about the episode, please appease (laughs) the podcast gods and leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, while you're there, hit subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. And I think Caitlin already said it, but I'm going to say it again. We want to hear from you. (laughs) And we have... I mean, like, look at the Salem episode. That was a listener request, and we did it. So if there's something you want to hear about, let us know. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us email us at callingallspiritspod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling lucky, then you can try, I guess, laying out a dumb supper and hope that we show up, or... Um, please don't track us down and try to trick-or-treat at our homes. That seems uncomfortably creepy. Um, maybe just stick to, again, the tricks of the seance and the techniques of the seance episode. That seems like a solid go-to source for random ways to contact us if you're not feeling like the typical technology. But again, I cannot say this enough. No ectoplasm. Never, never the ectoplasm. No, we're just going to mop you up and send you out the door. Yep. We're not even going to deal with it. If if you show up in my house with egg whites and gauze, I will be very upset with you and I will not want to answer your questions. We'll ghost you. Again, no pun intended. (laughs) Okay, we probably should end there. Happy (laughs) Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, everyone. Be safe and have a lot of fun for us. Yes. And adopt a black cat. If you're looking for a cat, adopt a sweet little black cat. And make sure you keep them inside on Halloween because people suck. Yes. Yes, they do. So bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.